Bank Heist 3.0. Ransomware is getting worse, and words of cybersecurity wisdom for small and mid-sized businesses. These stories and more in this week's ISMG Security Report. Hello, I'm Nick Holland. Ransomware, why transfer fraud, destructive attacks. From the start of February to the end of April, these were among the top online attacks hitting the financial sector. We saw the overall attack volume against it surge by 238%. That's according to new research from VMware Carbon Black. ISMG's SVP of Editorial, Tom Field, spoke with VMware Carbon Black's Head of Cybersecurity Strategy, Tom Kellerman, about the findings. And in particular, the stark differences between January and April of this year. Here's Tom Field. Now, one of the things that, that you uh, you point out is there's a significant difference between attacks in January and attacks in April. What do you see in terms of the difference between trends pre-COVID-19 and post? You know, that is one of the more shocking elements of, of what we're facing, you know, close to 50% of attacks that we saw across our global infrastructure at VMware Carbon Black were targeted against the financial sector during COVID. Uh, we saw a 238% increase of attack campaigns against financial institutions uh, during that time. And it makes sense. Look, this is the most dramatic transfer of wealth from governments to citizens and businesses that we've ever seen. And it's occurring in a digital fashion, compounded with the fact that everyone is hoping to um, change their financial situation and or alter their financial strategies because of the nature in which we're dealing with an economic depression. And apparently, despite what's happened with businesses and government entities, the adversaries have not furloughed anybody? <laughs> no, the dark web, the economy of scale, the dark web, you know, it's, it's greater than a trillion dollars. You know, the total addressable market of our industry is only about $200 billion. It's quite ironic. But when you look at the arms race that is ongoing, um, it necessitates a, a rethink for how we conduct incident response and how we conduct cyber threat hunting because we, we need to become more clandestine in that fashion. What I mean by that is I think for too long we've been a little too loud in how we react. You're flipping on the lights, you're grabbing the gun, you're calling the cops and you're saying, hey, I'm on to you and cops are coming, I've got a gun. Is that necessarily the best thing you should be doing? And what happens when things escalate to that hostage situation in your infrastructure where they're using your infrastructure to attack your customers or they're deploying destructive payloads in your infrastructure because you've reacted to them? Talk about the increase in cyber threats and attacks you've seen since January. So there's been a dramatic increase, as I said. Uh, it's not just cyber criminal crews. Uh, nation states themselves, particularly nation states that have been sanctioned by the West, are using cyber attacks to offset uh, economic sanctions. Um, you're seeing uh, the dark web arms bazaar provide uh, various capabilities, in, including this, this new phenomenon, not new, new, but relatively new phenomenon in the past year of access mining, where for $5,000 or more, you can buy access to a specific institution or corporation uh, from the dark web because they've profiled the systems they've commandeered. And now they're actually selling you explicit access to bank X or bank Y. Um, this is also coupled with the fact that perimeter defense and encryption are falling on their face. They're falling on their face because of telework. They're falling on their face because of fileless malware and living off the land attacks. And the fact that the adversary is hacking you from somewhere within your infrastructure or your supply chain. Um, and so we, we need to appreciate that they, the adversary, has increased their knowledge of the interdependencies of the sector as a whole. 
fully cognizant that you can hack you know, a shared service provider in order to commandeer dozens of banks, or fully cognizant that the most valuable information in a financial institution is not necessarily the wire transfer information, but it's the non-public market information that the portfolio manager might be leveraging in the coming days for the purposes of you know, liquidity, et cetera, et cetera. You're listening to the ISMG Security Report on ISMG Radio. ISMG, your number one source for information security news. Ransomware attacks are continuing to get worse, both in the scale of the attacks and the amounts paid out. With this report on some of the most recent trends, is ISMG's executive editor of Data Breach Today in Europe, Matthew Schwartz. Ransomware attacks continue to grow more prevalent and, for many attackers, more lucrative. Cybersecurity firm Group IB, in a new study, reports that the volume of ransomware attacks year-on-year from 2018 to 2019 grew by 40%. The increase in attacks has likely driven greater competition between gangs. Or at least, that would help explain why ransomware-wielding criminals have been growing steadily more ruthless throughout 2019 and into this year. Unfortunately, that ruthlessness seems to be working, at least if you measure success by the amount of attackers' extortion demands, the increasing size of the victims they've been hitting, as well as attackers' increasing propensity to steal and begin leaking data to try and force victims to pay. Attackers continuing to double down on ransomware and ruthlessness is notable, in part, because it was only in late 2017 that many criminals began moving away from ransomware. Instead, many preferred to focus on stealing cryptocurrency outright. Numerous attacks by cybercrime gangs and even some nation states, notably North Korea, involved hacking Bitcoin exchanges, as well as infecting cryptocurrency users' PCs with coin-stealing malware. Both types of attackers were also connected to numerous illicit cryptocurrency mining efforts. But with multiple subsequent crashes in the value of bitcoins and other digital currencies, many criminals appear to have retooled, dropping cryptocurrency mining and flocking again to ransomware. Law firm Baker Hostetler, based on its data breach investigations, said that until 2018, ransomware gangs had relatively modest ambitions. But based on the more than 1,000 data breach investigations it worked in 2019, many of them involving ransomware, the firm says attackers' tactics have been changing. Notably, the average ransom paid by a victim when the victim paid rose from $29,000 in 2018 to $303,000 in 2019. Meanwhile, the largest ransom paid by a victim that the law firm assisted rose from $250,000 in 2018 to $5.6 million in 2019. With these potential profits on offer and some victims continuing to pay their attackers in return for the promise of a decryption key, is it any surprise that criminals continue to launch ransomware attacks? More ransomware-wielding criminals, however, means more competition, which helps explain why both attack gangs and ransomware suppliers have upped their game, technically speaking. In some cases, gangs are now hacking victims using advanced network penetration tactics that until recently would have been the domain of advanced persistent attackers with nation-state ties, rather than run-of-the-mill crime gangs. 
Unfortunately, these tactics appear to be paying off. Comparing the last quarter of 2019 with the first quarter of 2020, ransomware incident response from Coveware reports that, based on the more than 1,000 incidents it worked, the average enterprise ransom payment increased by 33%, reaching $112,000. That rise reflects not just the large quantity of attacks taking place, but also the increasing incidence of some gangs scoring extra lucrative hits against big targets. And at least for now, unfortunately, this trend seems set to continue. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Matthew Schwartz. Finally, small and mid-sized companies don't need to spend money on expensive security products, but they must consider several critical factors as they devise their strategies. That's according to Nick Miller, a UK-based cybersecurity consultant. In an interview this week with ISMG's Director of Productions, Anna Delaney, Nick shared some words of wisdom for cost-effective security management. Here he is. It's, a, it's obviously a very personal thing for each business, but what I would say is, if we go back to our burglar analogy, um, what does everyone need to keep their house secure? Again, you need locks on your doors and locks on your windows. Um, some people might want more than that because they don't feel that they're comfortable. Maybe their street gets a lot of burglaries, or maybe they know they've got some expensive jewellery, so they want to buy an alarm system. And then there's some people who have maybe uh, artwork in their house or some sort of priceless heirlooms that they absolutely can't afford to lose, and they'll pay for a top-of-the-line security system. But for most regular people, that top-of-the-line security system would just be essentially a bit of a waste of money. Um, this is the same way here. So, so what's that basic thing look like? What's that floor look like that every company needs to get to regardless of size? Um, and, you know, one of the great things I would say to look at here is the NCSC's uh, Cyber Essentials. So the UK government has done this plan called Cyber Essentials, and it, it basically gives you four key things that all businesses should do for cybersecurity. And it's a great starting point. Um, and, and one of the main ones to really drive home is the importance of businesses having things like multi-factor authentication. Um, so where you have it on your email, for example, there's so much cybercrime that is simply fraud that's enabled by people being able to get into your email system. Uh, Multi-factor authentication is free and it would cut out the vast majority of that. And what are the questions that companies should be asking themselves? Yeah, so absolutely. Once you've got those kind of that basic kind of structure in place, like that may not be as far as you want to go. So there's, there's a few things that companies should think about. So the first one is, um, do we process or hold any sort of bulk personal or financial data? And the reason for asking that is that that clearly has value if someone steals it. Someone can hack into your business, steal that data and sell it on the dark web, uh, especially if that data can be used to facilitate identity fraud, uh, other sorts of fraud or, you know, those sorts of attacks. They are very, very common. Um, the other thing that you should look at is, uh, do you actually process, say, like high value invoices or payments? Because again, um, it's worth an attacker spending a bit of time to have a look at seeing if they can get you to pay a six or seven figure invoice. And you might think that this is a very rare thing and this never happens. So often companies are paying out huge amounts of monies for fraudulent invoices and fraudulent bank transfer requests. Um, so again, like if your business is regularly processing high value amounts, to you, you get a bit numb to it, but to an attacker, that's a payday that's worth investing in. Um, and the last couple of things I think, again, are like 
from a business perspective, like how reliant have you become on your IT system? So we're seeing a bunch of attacks now by cyber criminals that are about locking up either your systems or your data. And they're doing that for one of two reasons. Um, really, it's either because you uh, have very valuable data that if it's released publicly, you could be sued or you would lose all of your competitive advantage or you would just lose your client base. Um, so again, you're vulnerable to that being released. Or the second is just, you rely on your IT systems. And if your IT systems are locked up for a few days, your business could go under. So with both of those types of attacks, the attacker has leverage and then they can demand a ransom for you to either get your data back or for you to get your systems back. And so again, this comes down to, it doesn't really, the attacker doesn't care what you do. They don't care what company you are. They just see you as a pool of cash that they can potentially extort from. That's it for this week's ISMG Security Report. Theme music is by Ithaca Audio. I'm Nick Holland. Catch you next time.